another episode of Thick and Thin Hoops, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nitin. What's good, Nitin? Never a doubt, the gold medal is coming back to its rightful home. How about that Team USA revival? Uh, coming off the France loss, I think that was probably when we almost last spoke, right? They had just lost to France, beaten Iran, and we had no idea where this team was headed. Fast forward, I think four or five wins from there. Another gold, the fourth straight since the 2004 debacle. But this one felt the most tenuous and definitely the 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 most challenging path, let's call it. Absolutely. But they got it done. They got their shit together eventually. I mean, you think about where it started in the exhibition losing to Nigeria. And then who's the other team they lost to? Australia. Australia, right? So... And yeah, exhibition is one thing, and I know they didn't have their full squad either, but that, plus the France loss, things were looking a little dicey. Rudy Gobert was looking like an intimidating <laughs> force in the finals. Like, we were talking about how, oh, well, what is Team USA going to do when they go up He looked Rudy like Gobert? we were about to reignite the Bill Russell versus Wilt argument, but add one <laughs> yeah. more name into the mix. <laughs> exactly. And uh, even that Australia game, man, like uh, it got a little tense in that first half. Um, what they were. Well, anytime up. you have Jock Londale playing you, you know, there's going to be battle for for. Yeah, I know like you were throwing him into some of your player prop parlays. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're doing with your betting, but, uh, um, but yeah, I'm man, going I, off the deep end, dude. I bet Cowboys Steelers Hall of Fame game the other night, like the week zero of the preseason I was betting. And with, they didn't even have, like, what, uh, Dak wasn't playing, Ben wasn't playing. That was my point. I was like, nobody's playing. Why wouldn't I just grab the points? Let me take Cowboys plus two. Oh, God. Actually, I and just took won, a money right? line. No, they got their beat, shit beaten out of them. I forgot how good the Steelers' backups were. That game had 7 million people watching. I I, I, I know it, football is crazy, man, but that still blows my mind when I see like, It outdrew, like, game. some NBA playoff games. Oh, several. Several games. Most, um, probably. Did it outdrew um, a finals game? I no, want to no, say no, it did. I can't remember. It definitely outdrew some of the bubble finals games. That's for sure. Yeah. But anyway, coming back to the the Olympics. So Team USA on both ends, you know, men, women, and women's three on three. All three took gold. But looking at the men, I think how fucked was this team if Durant was like, you know what, I'm good. Like, I think I'm going to just rest up this offseason, which would have been well within any level of reason, right? I couldn't even believe that he agreed to play. Then... The three finals guys, like you just mentioned, Booker, Drew, and Durant were the three best players on this team. And without them, they don't even get out of group play, I don't think. So the fact that as talented as the group, the squad was, it took basically a Herculean effort from Durant to save them over and over again. I don't know. This was a weird win. This was like a win that they ended up beating. I think their average margin of victory after that first loss was by like 25 or 30 points. It never felt like it was that dominant. It never did because they were always a slow starting team. The first half was always a struggle. The last game was a little bit different, but the previous three or four games was always slow start, get it together in the second half. And I think if there's one takeaway from this um, Olympics run was that Kevin Durant is at a, another level from all these guys. Like all these guys are all stars and top players on their teams, and he is in a different level. It just re uh, confirmed confirm for me that he is the best player in the league. I still think he's better than Giannis. You can have that debate as long as you want, but oh, I what he Durant did, man, was, sure. was unbelievable. Dude, there's four 25 points per game scorers on that team outside of Durant. Tatum, 
Levine, Booker, and let's let's talk about Dame Lillard here in a second. But none of them could get a look. Like it was like if Durant wasn't out there creating ISO opportunities for himself and everyone else, nobody could get to the basket. Nobody could get freed up for an open look. It felt like I don't know if it was the ball or the jet lag or something. It felt like we were playing like stuck in molasses for most of the time we were over there. Like you said, we were slow starting. We did not clearly have any type of shoot around or warm ups. Like they used the first half of every game to like get loose and stretch. And then in the third quarter, they'd get out like gangbusters. And it's like, aside from Durant, you, even in the Spain game, dude, he was in Australia. He was hitting some crazy shots. Was it Australia? We went down by 15. Yep. And it was only because he started like doing some wild shit on Joe Ingles and stuff that we even had a chance. And like in every game, it never really, you know, you never really felt like you're going to lose. But at the same time, what we forget is it's only 10 minute quarter. So you just have that much less time to make a comeback. And if it wasn't for him, I mean, it would have been good night, good luck. And we would have looked a lot differently on pop. We would have looked a lot differently on USA basketball. The whole thing was kind of in a very tenuous balance. The thing I couldn't understand is I get the ball and the jet lag and all those excuses, but why can't these guys beat anyone off the dribble? Like that was the thing that made no sense to me. You got some of the best ball handlers. All these guys are quick. Even a guy like Dame and, you know, he struggled quite a bit. And yes, this isn't the type of game he plays. You know, he's more, he relies on the pick and roll and he plays a very different style. The ball in his hands a lot, but even Dame, come on, man. Like, I don't understand why you can't beat your guy and get to the rim. Like some of these guys in Australia (laughs) look like they just like woke up after like, a bender eight hours like, of know, surfing and then yeah a bender yeah, that night yeah, exactly messy hair and they're just out there balling like i don't get it so not to this is only me trying to rationalize what i cannot understand right so i'm not making excuses i'm not doing anything of that site that type but there's two rule things in fiba that make it harder for the nba players one is there's no three seconds defensively right so you can just park there for like the re- like till the end of time and so it creates like pretty crowded driving lanes, right? Two, because it's a shorter three-point line, everything shrinks in a little bit, right? Because all of the defenders can still stay home on the three-point shooting, but also kind of help on drives because it's just not as far of distance. It's like two feet closer. And so because of that, you can't really get around guys because there's always help in the way. Then you factor in, but you know, the, the piece, then you factor in really like the fact that the NBA players are all trained to foul bait a hundred percent of the time. And FIBA literally lets you play like rugby on the court before they even like think about calling a foul. So none of Dame's tricks were working. All of his like pick and roll, kind of like the Trey Young, James Harden school that would never work over here. And I think he struggled with that a lot. And then he was getting absolutely hunted on defense, like in a yeah. really <laughs> egregious way. Like it, it was ugly because he was the only kind of small player that was playing, right? Like Drew is the other point guard and he's a linebacker. So he was getting absolutely toasted. What I don't get though, because we've seen other small guards not do well in FIBA, namely like Island Iverson and Stefan Marbury in 04, is there was like Patty Mills is small. Like other guards that are succeeding are small. Like I don't, that can't be the only thing. Um, but it was really weird to watch him struggle that badly. Uh, we always knew he was a bad defender, but I think once the shot started not falling, it was, you know, good night for him. He couldn't do anything until, you know, the end of the game and he had a couple of big shots, but. All valid reasons, right? But the, the foul beating one being the most prominent one, but everything else, like the three point line shortened and the FIBA rules, 
the U.S. has dealt with this every Olympics. It's not like this is the first year they're doing that. Yeah, but they're every, new guys, right? Dames yeah, never but, played. Okay, but USA every ball. Olympics roster, you know, there's turnover. There's new guys, and we still wreck these countries. And I get <laughs> the international level of play has risen, but I, I just don't understand why this team struggled so much. Like, you know, let me ask you this. Um, a lot is made about the number of years that all these teams play together, right? Like a team like Spain, the Rubio, the Gasols, those guys have literally been together for 15 years. You know, we're not, I mean, we're close, but we're not quite professional basketball players, but we do understand chemistry and sort of like continuity and being able to know where each other is on the floor. For the most part, though, talent truck sticks all of that, right? We saw it with like all of these super teams, even in the NBA, they were able to succeed in year one, like the Heatles or like the Celtics or like even the Lakers with AD and LeBron, you know, the first time they're on the court, they're dominating. So the Nets this year, if they hadn't gotten hurt. So how much do you value do you put in the fact that there's continuity in these other countries that there's not in the u.s or should it not even you know be that much of a factor it it matters i get it it matters the u.s but this is the same thing like even the previous olympic teams for the u.s you can say they had continuity you had lebron you had kobe playing in the same guys playing several times in a row but like these guys it's once every four years it's not like all of a sudden your chemistry you know um, I mean, they play obviously in the FIBA tournaments and stuff like that too, but the chemistry thing to me, it's a little bit of a cop-out excuse. Like these guys are talented enough. They have been practicing. I get you're rusty in the first couple of exhibition games, but like by the end of the tournament, you should have yeah. a good I mean, it's been like a offense. month and a half by the you end, should, right? Yeah, you shouldn't be relying on KD to just bail you out possession after possession. And look, they they ended up playing well towards the end of the this Olympic run, but I it just it still baffles my mind, man. It's not like this this year had elite competition. Like, of course, France had some talent. Spain was, dude, on their, like, last legs. Like, Marc Gasol and Pau Gasol. Dude. Pau Gasol is literally a corpse. <laughs> it was and, hard and, to watch him play basketball, honestly. And, you know, Hernan Gomez is a nice player, but, like, he was doing work in the first half against us. I'm like, these guys should not be any threat. But, it would have been really interesting if Ben Simmons had played for Australia. Because, like, we talked about his game is kind of perfect for FIBA. And Absolutely. I'd be really curious to see with him, with all those shooters around him, with Ingles and the other, the, the surfer guy who was like just <laughs> drilling him in our face in the first half. I forget his name, but yeah. there is a lot of talent on that Australia team that kind of needed a true point guard. Like Patty Mills, you could tell he was hunting for his shot, but he, you know, when that wasn't falling, he wasn't able to really do that yep. much else. Simmons would have kind of been perfect for that team. So I'm very curious to see how that would have ended. And up. defensively, they could have thrown him, you know, at Durant. Him. Yeah. Durant or Tatum or whoever was going off at that given time. But, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, it's funny. It's like I could create a team right now that would beat this USA team, like from the U.S. That's the embarrassment of riches that we have. Uh, so when people say our best players aren't coming, there is that argument. Yeah. But we're so far ahead talent-wise um, that you can't really use that excuse. Because everyone's like, oh, well, the finals MVPs from – you know, Greece and the NBA MVPs from Serbia and the defensive player of the year is from France. Look at all this. And Luca is the, maybe the best player in the league in five years. And he's from Slovenia. All that's true, but they all come from different places. It's not like they're playing on one Olympic team. So, yeah. you know, aside from the fact that we can't put together the Yugoslavian team of 1989 and get like Jokic and Luca together, this is, there should be no competition. So I don't know. You know who the bigger, biggest winner for uh, the USA or coming out of this tournament who the biggest winner was? So I think it's Durant, but the way you're asking it makes me... Is it LeBron somehow? It's UCLA. 
because Zach Levine oh, and Drew Holiday were arguably after Durant two of the most important players on this team. Zach Levine, man, he he showed out. I was quite impressed oh. with his defense. Offensively, he was he's been awesome. a little bit up and down, but defensively, he was a key piece for them. And which when yeah, they they could rely on him. And look, people in Chicago are starting to get excited again, right? Like maybe this is the tie into the free agency talk, but suddenly there's a squad around him. And what's the one thing that would really unlock this Bulls team is dedicated defensive effort from guys like Zach Levine. You know, like they have a number of talented offensive players, but they really don't have that many people who committing on the other end. What he showed was maybe a glimpse into like, okay, he can be a two-way player. And that's always the fun part about who gets the Olympic bump, you know? Yep. Who yep. actually comes back with better work ethic. Like, um, I, what was it? The uh, the mismatch, right, with Chris Vernon and, and Kevin O'Connor. He was talking about how um, he saw Kevin Durant work out once, or he took his son there. Was that mismatch or something else? He was talking about someone's son. Yeah, someone's son watched Kevin Durant work out once with the Warriors. And he was almost brought to tears because of its like beauty and effort and grace. And like, okay, that's waxing poetic a little bit. But the point is you go see a guy like Kevin Durant work every day. You're like, all right, this is the real level it requires to be great. Yeah, especially if you've toiled on shitty teams your entire career. Like, you've never been around a guy like that. Like, Yeah, so how are you supposed to hone your craft when the only thing you got is Cristiano Felicio being like, yo, let's go try out these (laughs) new restaurants. Like, you're never going to get better playing around guys where you're the best player. Um, And look, Durant and Westbrook, Harden's even talked about this, like how much those dudes pushed him early in those OKC days, right? To become like a tireless worker. That shit matters. Absolutely, it does. And and guys like Drew Holiday, you know, who just coming off a recent championship, his game's elevated to a new level too. I think it gives you a newfound confidence after winning a title like that. He played really good ball defensively and, I think that intensity is also contagious for the rest of the team. So I couldn't believe that he was playing and all of them were like Booker and him were starting like two days after they got there. Yeah. And they <laughs> and needed it, like, it because those they guys needed were it. That's, really that's the craziest part. They couldn't, they could literally would not have won this gold medal without those guys. So I'm yeah, curious I mean, who, who, so looking ahead, 24 team, do you think Durant comes back? It's only three so, years from now. Yeah, hundred percent. He'll be thirty-five. He'll do it. He, dude, this guy loves basketball, man. Like he's gonna want to, and then Team USA is not gonna say no. I don't think his game will fall off that much, you know, in four years that or three years that they wouldn't bring him back. Who else do you think? Because I think I was putting together the list preliminary Trey. to. So Trey was interesting, right? Because he's kind of the perfect player with his playmaking and shooting. But then you take but the, like the foul thing and, and being undersized. That one, those are two kind of red flags. I think the, Zion's got to be there. Zion right. would be interesting watching an Olympic Olympic play, but he would he would fit. Um, he would Evan Mobley down low. Dark Horse. Oh God, dude, it's in three years. Like what was it? Uh, was um, Bill Simmons was talking about Kevin Herter being on the Olympic team? Remember, <laughs> at like the when the Hawks were like up. It was the, the most reactionary recency bias comment. It was literally the night that I think he had 27. So he's like, yeah, why yeah. isn't Kevin Herter on this team? <laughs> and then he wanted, uh, God, he wanted Dylan Brooks on it for a while. And it's like, dude, yeah. Dylan Brooks is Canadian. So that wouldn't work. Wouldn't even work. 
Um, and then he wanted Cade and Mobley. And it's like, those guys are about to get drafted. They're yeah. not like going to go tear an Achilles in the Olympics just to, you know, satiate that desire. But anyway, that was fun. And then the women, they rolled. I mean, they've won seven straight goals. I think I saw it's the longest Olympic streak ever for any team sport um, yep. to, to win. So there's really no reason to think that'll stop. Um there's like a bunch of talent they left home too. So, yeah, that one wasn't even. They played Japan, right? And they, they played just, Japan, and it was fifteen point game, and that was shocking. Yeah, Japan actually covered. They were eighteen and a half point dogs. Yeah. So, not that I bet on it or anything. I, I mean, didn't you, do it. the men's team was also fifteen point favorites, right? It was something. They absurd. were 12, 12 and a half. 12. That was easy money for France because. You knew the way the game went is exactly almost the way the first game went, where they like yep. were up seven late and then just tightened up. And then, France dude, the other thing before we move on, like Durant didn't even touch the ball in the fourth quarter. What was was he gassed or was like I understand they were trying to face guard him, but why should that matter? Just give him the ball. I have no idea. That made no sense to me either. Why he, they wouldn't get him the ball? But unless he was just like, look, I'm I'm done. Like what, in the gold this. game in the five, fourth quarter, Durant's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, nah, after only playing like 27 minutes at that point. Yeah, so. I don't know what it was, but either way, man, they came out with it. You know, Pop, thank Pop's got to be so thankful that because his I mean, the the rumblings about Pop. We started this podcast talking about Pop's terrible play in, two years ago in FIBA. Um, or how disappointed that U.S. team was. And people are already talking about Pops lost it with the Spurs. And so I think for him, it was vindication. good vindication. And, and to you know get that Olympic medal for him is also big to his career, given he's right. already done everything else. So. And he's done coaching, right? This was a, this is a one-time thing. And he almost mm-hmm. didn't do it. And then the Olympics got delayed. And it was all sorts of like kind of forces working against him. And so yeah. I was happy for him. I don't know that I've, they've announced the next coach. I've heard Steve Kerr is, is obviously top. But even his list. health issues is like, I don't know yeah. why he'd want to go. I mean, I know he was assistant coach this time, but four years from now, I don't know if he still wants to be coaching. Yeah, I'm not sure who's going to be uh, out there. I'd be curious if like old dudes like Steph want to play because he's never done it. Um, and so Steph is a guy who I think has played in one World Cup, but no Olympics. Not that it need, he needs it for his resume, but just for like the, I don't know, every great really. Like most yeah. greats have Olympic golds, like from the, from the U.S. at least. Who doesn't, you know, or at least have played in it, you know. So Yeah, they might bring him out. I don't know. We'll see. Four years, dude. Things changed so much in four years. Go back and look at the 2016 roster. And three you years. Marcus now. Cousins. Yeah, oh, three yeah, years. Marcus now, Cousins was like starter. <laughs> yeah, that was five years ago. But but. Still. And uh, uh, Harrison Barnes was on the team. Yeah, exactly. Demar Derozan. Um, it was a weird Mason, team, but, but they also it was dominated. a super weird team. Yeah, because had Durant and <laughs> Carmelo. That was like all you needed, but. All right, let's switch gears to to free agency, which is just about wrapped up. There's basically like one good player left to be signed, which is Dennis Schroeder, and he may just end up being signed by the Shanghai Sharks by the next time we record. Uh, So there was a lot of activity. If I had to give you my overall thoughts, I didn't think it was as crazy as years past. Um, I think you saw a bunch of big deals, but nothing out of control for the most part. And then a lot of guys coming back to the team that they signed, you know, were already on. So I think the wind got taken out of the sales of this free agency class when Giannis resigned before the season. 
Bradley Beal had an extension. He was supposed to be a big 21 free agent. Kawhi had been long rumored to be heading back to the Clippers. So there wasn't like necessarily a ton of top end talent on the board, but you know, still nonetheless activity. We had the rust trade that we kind of touched on on draft night, but let's go back and forth. Give me a team that you want to start with and uh, your overall thoughts on their summer. Let's start with, where should we start? Let's start with the Bulls. I want to hear your thoughts of the your hometown Chicago Bulls after their offseason. I contacted a Bulls salesperson for season ticket information is all <laughs> I'll say about that. Um, no, so look, I think everyone likes Alonzo signing or signing trade, right? I like it as well. I thought it was fair money for a guy who's ascend- ascending. He's only 23 his skill set isn't perfect for a lot of teams because he's not really a point guard. Like he can't really initiate half court offense, but given that they have a Levine and now they have a DeRozan, which I'll get to in a second, it actually works quite nicely as a secondary playmaker. Who's going to be a low usage guy, but can hit up hit spot up threes and play good defense. The DeRozan piece was the one that everybody kind of pushed back on the money and all that kind of stuff. My thought is, we do too much about the exact contract value and not enough about the player that I've said this, right? Like I talked about this with the rust thing. It doesn't mean he sucks because he gets paid 30% more than he probably should in some type of reevaluation. At the end of the day, this was the one summer the bulls had space and uh, ability to, to, to make acquisitions. So whether they paid him three for 85 or three for 60, it's not like they were going to free up cap space in subsequent years. Cause Zach Levine's max deal is going to start next season. They still have Vucevic. They still have Lonzo. And it's really not that many, like, huge, huge contracts. Levine will be the only one that's over $30 million. Right now, they have none that are over $30 million. And I thought, ultimately, you know, did they overpay? Yes. But is DeRozan the same guy that I think everyone remembers? No. And nobody's watched the Spurs for the last two, three years. And so we have this perception of him that's just not the player he's become. He's still on the surface. Yes. High volume, low three-pointers, so therefore low efficiency. But... He gets to the rim as well as anyone. He gets to the line as well as anyone. Really great isolation player. And he's added this playmaking element to his game that, again, fits perfectly with Lonzo and and Levine. Um, There's going to be a void of defense, right? They're asking a lot of Patrick Williams, right? It's a second-year player. I don't know that he can step up to that role. I thought they gave up a lot of depth in these trades. Thaddeus Young is gone. Tomas Sadaransky, Garrett Temple, Picks. You know, now they've given up three first round picks for this core. If you count the two, they gave up for Vucevic plus seconds. It's a lot, but you have to double down on the talent that you have right now. Zach Levine and Vucevic, they aren't going anywhere. You're not replacing them with anyone necessarily like materially better. So given that these are the guys that you're able to build around. I thought it was a nice summer for the Chicago. And I think, you know, even someone like Tony Bradley as a backup center, like those are good value adds around this expensive, you know, top four i love what they did and i think there you go i absolutely love what they did because the the problem when you're a team like chicago where you're still kind of floundering you didn't make the playoffs even after making the big vucevic signing you could either panic and try to blow it up and maybe you avoid paying zach you know zach levine if you really get crazy bottom out because you're not gonna you're not gonna contend with milwaukee you're not gonna contend with brooklyn but when you have enough talent like two stars like that Go all in. Just get talent. Surround them with talent. You're not going to get any marquee guys, but Lonzo Ball is a good player. You need that playmaking. 
DeRozan, like you said, I think he's learned how to play within the flow of an offense. He's not the possession killer he used to be. So you can live with some of the inefficiency because, you know, he's going to pick and choose the spots. And you've got some young pieces that I think are still promising, right? right? Um, Patrick Williams, you have um, Kobe White. Um, And I think they still have a move to make. I think with marketing, right, they can still uh, get rid of marketing and get some value back. I'd love to take marketing for Bagley in some kind of deal. Um, (laughs) But... So I, I think they position themselves well. Would you? Because the Kings would reset their record of the worst defense of, of, in history from last year. Well, it's year. not like Bagley's helping that. Bagley's the same net negative. At least Markinen can score. That's true. And now we got uh, Donovan, Davion Mitchell locking everyone up like, all across the floor. You know, it's fine. <laughs> Davion um, playing one to five. Yeah. So I, I, I like what the Bulls did. And I think um, that, you know their model is going to be like what Atlanta did last year. And Atlanta, who you have a young star in Trey Young, but floundering team, not successful. Is he a good stats, bad team kind of guy? And they went out and signed some vets, right? They went out and got Clint Capella. They signed Gallinari. Um, and all these kind of fringe moves. Like Bogdanovich. Yeah, everyone's right? like, why are, we get, why are you paying all these like yeah. middling guys? And I said that too. And I didn't think that it made sense, but it worked. And it worked obviously because their injuries and yada, yada, yada. But I think Bulls can, you have to take those chances. So I really like what they did. I had not thought of the Atlanta comp. I think that makes a lot of sense where you have this perennially like losing quote unquote player in Levine and the same thing with Trey. And it's like, wait, if they're not losing players. They're just playing with bad teammates and there's a yeah. big difference, right? Like not everyone is a LeBron or Durant who can just lift their team under any circumstances. And I think we forget that a lot in our team building approach and we put it on the star rather than accepting that the star is not necessarily you know, there can only be 10 players in the top 10 in the NBA, right? And there's yeah. 30 teams. So there's a two-thirds chance you don't have one of those guys, if not higher, because a lot of them have teamed up together. So the fact of the matter is, uh, uh, based on who you have, you have to sort of, like, optimize their skills. And I think they did that with um, both Levine and Vucevic. Now, they still have a little bit of work to do, like you said, with what they can get back from marketing. I don't know what his market looks like. Uh, there's a couple teams that have, like, sort of mentioned being interested um but again what his number is going to be what that can bring back they're they're kind of have to figure that out and then the worst case scenario i think in some ways is he signs the one-year qualifying offer because he doesn't have the deal he likes because he's already unhappy he said he wants out they're not going to get anything for him right because he actually has you know when you sign your qualifying offer you actually have a no trade clause because if you are traded that team gets your bird right so it's up to you to like you know, keep your bird rights if you want. So all that to be said, I think that's a worst case scenario could lead to an unhappy locker room. Um, Kobe White's interesting. Cause like, what do you see as his future? Oh, I forgot to mention Alex Caruso because what do you see as the oh, future yeah, for white? Because you have Lonzo, you have Caruso and it could be white and Levine. It's like, your those are your four guards, but it's starting to feel a little duplicative because I don't know if a Caruso white backcourt just from a size standpoint really works. No, I think you're gonna have to have Lonzo or Levine on the court, pretty much all the time. Those guys are too small. Um, I don't know what you do with him. He's an interesting player. Like he's he flashed quite a bit, but at the end of the day, what is his ceiling in the NBA? Like a a sixth man, Ben Gordon kind of right. Ben Gordon, right? Like a microwave scorer off the bench, a smallish guard. So I I mean I think, but like I don't mind what they did because it's like fine, whatever. Crusoe, you get him on a good deal, just get him, get talent. You figure out the rest later, and you can move. Yeah, I like guys. the Crusoe signing. I mean, it, they it was at a f- 
fringe overpay? Yeah. Uh, was DeRozan an overpay? Sure. But, you know, back to your point, this is a team that's been floundering. Like, people in the league don't view Chicago as this market that is going to attract stars that's commensurate to the size of the city or the size of the TV market or the, the, the passion of the fans. It's just not thought of like that because they haven't proven that out really since the Rose Butler days, you know? And so, and if you really want to go back, like that was the only version of this Bulls team that's been relevant since Jordan was the yep. two years that they won 60 plus games with Rose and Noah and all those guys. So, you know, they have to kind of operate like a small market team in a way from the standpoint of perception. Um, and overcoming that perception means you got to kind of pay through the nose a little bit. There's a premium, you know, were they negotiating against anyone? Maybe not, but the lower that number gets, the more DeRozan's like, should I just take the one year ML like mid-level exception with someone, you know, you offered me 25 year, I could get 10 a year, you know, how does that start to stack up? Whatever it is. So I, I think you have to factor that in, which a lot of people have not been mentioning, but okay. So my team. I want to talk about the Miami Heat. What are your thoughts about their summer? Uh, probably you know, one of the busier teams, I think, in the NBA. I mean, similar similar vein. I like that they are aggressive. They got Kyle Lowry. Um, Kyle Lowry, it's his fit in Miami makes more sense than really many other teams. I did not like the Duncan Robinson signing. Um, I think it's a little rich. I what five year 90 million you're paying 18 million for a guy who um has i mean buddy skill. Heald is pretty much making like 19 million 20 million and and buddy Heald though is a much more versatile piece on offense i feel like um i think they're comparable a, i think those two are comparable I, I buddy is not a great buddy is a little bit more dynamic as a scorer um from all over the floor than duncan robinson i still see duncan robinson mainly as a a sharpshooter um, and I know they use him in other ways too, but I don't know. I maybe because he's white, I just think of Kyle Korver all the time when I see him. Um, <laughs> and that's a natural comp. But anyways, outside of that, I think I liked. Uh, they got rid of Dragic, which was. Um, I mean, he's been there for seven years now, which doesn't doesn't feel like it's been that long, but he's been there for a while. Um, but Lowry's the kind of guy that, like, with Lowry, Butler, and Bam on defense, they're going to lock up any team. Like, you covered one through five, um, ultra switchable. All those guys can kind of play up or down a role uh, in terms of who they guard, right? Lowry can yeah. guard bigger guys. Butler can go up and down. Bam can can guard all the way to the one. So they've got an identity, and I like that. Don't and forget got uh, Katie Stopper, P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker, too, another defensive player. Where's the offense coming from if you have all those guys? I mean, Lowry, I guess, still scores. But PJ Tucker is a gunner. He'll take care of it. Did you see him in the he was useless on offense in the in the postseason? Yeah, I think he was averaging like one point per thirty six minutes in the in the postseason. I was kidding. Yeah. Yeah. But um but yeah, look, I I like what they did. Um and this is Miami. They're always gonna retool to stay competitive. They're not gonna completely rebuild or blow it up. So this is the the logical move. I felt like, okay, Lowry's becoming extremely overrated. <laughs> like, he's not going to change the fortunes of your franchise. And I get it. They're locked into this Butler-Bam core, so they got to go for it. They just like kept talking about him like he was this prize jewel, like he's going to flip the fortunes of any franchise that lands him. Like, you know, he signed for three for 85. He actually turned down three for 90 from New Orleans. Um, yeah. More money, 
five million is not really make or break for Lowry at this stage of his career when you factor in, especially the tax-free life of living in Florida. Dude, this guy's gonna go from Canadian tax, which is pays for universal health care up there, to Florida, which you know, yeah. they actually are anti-universal health care and all healthcare in general. Um, and so it should be an interesting transition. But nonetheless, <laughs> I didn't I don't like this team that much. Like I think they got their bubble frauds, I told you. Like they overachieved, their militaristic style worked in the bubble, they got hot hero Robinson even Butler was shooting well and like he played really well last year but their flaws were on display I thought throughout the year but then especially in the playoffs versus Milwaukee because the thing is yes they got swept but they were also the sixth seed right it wasn't like they were for a team that just came off the finals and pretty much brought everyone back you would have expected something better um I don't know how much more of an upgrade Lowry is than Dragic and I'm still waiting on Tyler Hero to kind of rediscover the form that, you know, made Jack Harlow write that song. And so in the in the hierarchy of the East, I still don't put them higher than fourth. And for the amount of money they doled out, because we didn't even talk about the $184 million extension for Jimmy Butler, the amount of money they doled out, I would have expected that type of paycheck to record, you know, that type of check to lead to championship contention. And I don't see it for this team. But what is going to get you in championship contention? Like there's no move that's going to put you above Brooklyn. There's no move that's going to put you above Milwaukee. So like at that point, you're making moves to compete with Philly, with Boston, with who else now? Yeah. I mean, Atlanta, Atlanta. Right. And like, I, 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 there's no move you can make that's going to put you at the top. I don't mind. This team is not going to age well. I mean, Jimmy Butler getting that much money as he kind of gets into the twilight of his career. I mean, he's not that old, but he's getting I there. mean, but he's lived a hard NBA life. Yeah, not he's off lived the court. put in hard well, minutes. Yeah, he's put in hard minutes. I think off the court, he's probably all right. But on the court, it's been tough. And I think Hero... I. I think last year's Hero is more the real Hero than the year before. Like, I don't think last year was a fluke. I think maybe... The previous performance was, but you have to remember this team got dead, like hit by COVID. Last year was a weird year. Um, they were they one did. of the hardest yeah. hit teams by injuries and COVID. So that six seed, I don't read too much into it as like, oh, this team's not good. You're right, they're a four or five seed. But in the East, in a year, maybe a down year, you're a three seed. And right, then, you catch lightning you know, in a bottle. Dice roll. And I'm because no I'm one's okay. beating Brooklyn. No yeah. one's beating Brooklyn. Or Assuming full health, which is at this point you have to assume. Yeah. The other thing I wish they addressed is they have no backup big. They really have no good big man outside of Bam who's undersized and gets punked like often, you know, like Joel Embiid, Giannis and Brooke Lopez. Like I, yeah. I worry about how they're going to contend with those dudes. Like Brooklyn but doesn't you can really always have... get, you can pick Ooh, up. Those I don't know. There's the no one out there the anymore. season you figure it out. Before Joel McGee can... signed, Hassan Whiteside is signed. Like Andre Drummond is signed. They've got some trade pieces, probably, right? Who's on the end of their? Do you know they actually roster? brought back Victor Oladipo? Yeah, for like the men, right? Or he turned down a forty million dollar extension from Houston, forty five million dollars, after turning down an even bigger one from Indiana before the trade. I don't know why this guy keeps betting on himself because that's clearly not working. I mean, you got to know your like John Wall to all his. For all his faults, the man knows when to cash in. Yeah, he He knows when to cash in. He's signed for every last dollar, the earliest that could be physically signed. He's received every the the most amount of money that anybody in it 
in his position could have received at this point. And Oladipo keeps trying to like prove the doubters wrong, put out new Instagram videos. He's just got to do what Wall does, which is sign the contract, then put out the Instagram videos. And then it doesn't matter what those videos look it like. Doesn't matter what, what you, you do did. on the yeah, what you what skill you're working on or not working on. Um, and then uh, Oladipo, you know, I don't. I mean, everyone thought he was going to matter last season, and he didn't. Well, he may not even play this year. He might miss either most or all of the season, which is going to create an interesting sort of like negotiation next offseason if he really doesn't have any more leverage than now. But all right, yeah. what's your next team? New Orleans. Crap. Let's do mine and yours together because I wanted to talk Dallas. Let's take both of them together. So they both have a potentially generational superstar in the middle, right? Luka has way more proven than Zion at this point, right? He's already got a couple all-NBAs and everything else. Speaking of New Orleans first, they're stumbling, right? I, I mentioned this yep. to you when we talked about that trade. They're running before they can walk, and it's creating a disaster of a situation where two years into a guy's contract, he's already talking about finding a way out. I thought that the the move to get rid of Lonzo without even getting a pick back, but then giving up a pick to get Devontae Graham was baffling. Um, they created this $17 million trade exception with the Valanchunas trade, but who, like... Those don't often turn into really, you know, value add swing guys because nobody wants to just give up someone who's good for for nothing into a trade exception, right? So there's a reason why those aren't always the most valuable. And, you know, I still don't see how this team is going to be any better unless Zion turns into like truly, you know, the Hulk and Brandon Ingram kind of finds himself again. But even then, those two guys are not going to compete with the upper echelon of the West. Like I don't see them in the top six. So now you're talking playing at best. It's going to be another long season and it's only been, you know, this is third year three for Zion, but it feels like year 10. Cause we just went through this with Anthony Davis. They're, they're making moves that, it, and I don't know if we talked about this last time. It's reminiscent of Cleveland the first time where it's, oh, it's yeah. kind of, it, you can kind of sense the panic and despair, but there's no clear plan in place. So they're getting these stopgap measures, and then they'd make a mistake, they get rid of it, like Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, but it cost them. Um, and then I really think they should have been more aggressive with, with Brandon Ingram. Like, if you really think you need to retool this roster, you really think you want to keep Zion happy, use Brandon Ingram as a, the piece. a net positive yeah. asset, and then try to get rid of your other mistakes along with that and bring back some talent. Because it's already clear that while Ingram is super talented, this may not be the ideal fit. And so instead of waiting for that fit to work, he's he has value across the rest of the league. And I think they could have tried flipping him. Maybe they tried. I don't know. But I, to, like you said, they they didn't get any better. Um, they lost a pick in, in some of this. They're not. And I and look, Luca just signed his extension after there was talk about will Luke, you know. Should we worry Zion's about Luka going, going to also. And Zion Zion's will going. too. So it's it's not about just that, but it's how at the quickly same time. into that extension they're ready to roll, and then they're gonna create problems. For both Luca and Zion, I think Luca's probably less there than Zion is because he's at least made the playoffs two out of three years, and he's generally plays for a strong organization, strong owner. With the Pelicans, it's 
disarray, right? Like, like you just compared it to the LeBron era, the first go around in Cleveland. Part of the problem with the Band-Aid approach is you continue to diminish. Damn, that was like uh, 30 hours. <laughs> hey, Gabe. What's up, Gabe? <laughs> I love how you immediately thought of that first. Because that was the ringtone. When's Donda yeah. coming out, dude? It's never coming out. We always fall for this every time. Did you see the clips of him living in the uh, the stadium? Just the video clips of him like working out yeah, inside this I mean, little like yeah, yeah. jail cell that he created That for was himself. a live stream. Yeah, while the music was playing. And he, was, he had a mask on. And he was just doing all kinds of weird stuff. This is absurd. This is what happened with the last album, and then it sucked. But then I've heard the feedback on this one's really good. It's mixed. There's some good songs mixed. on there, but it's... I haven't listened to what you sent. I just want to hear the al- album in its totality on Spotify. Where yeah, you were actually... complaining about, oh, I'm a true Kanye fan. Why didn't you you know, ask me how I felt about it? And then you haven't even listened to it. Because I just want to, I don't want to hear this like chopped and screwed version that you're sending over. Like, I want to hear the real ass thing when it actually plays. Um, but where was I? Zion. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I agree. Ingram's the one trade ship that could have gotten them a different version of this team. This band aid approach, all it's going to do is dwindle your assets until you really don't have that much left when they started with this absolute war chest from you know, Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis trades. So, you know, and then it's weird because it's like, okay, Zion's ready to win now. Why didn't you just keep Drew Holiday then? (laughs) Like he would have been the perfect guy next to him. You know, this could have worked in that fashion. And so I don't know if he asked out, which is possible, but just a bizarre turn of events. And, you know, you compare it to Dallas who struck out for the 900th year in a row on landing a big fish. I don't know why that continues to be the case when you have a generational player, first Dirk, now Luca, but you know, in a fairly big market. But I worry that if they're one and done again, then there's gonna be whispers and rumbles and sort of like just the general brewing of controversy. I think if they're in similar boats, Dallas is a little bit further protected, but both kind of facing the same fears. Yeah, they're lucky at least they got the first thing out of the way, which is the Luka extension. Like, yeah, it was going to come, like you said, but it's still good to get that out of the way. Their problem now is they've, after this dysfunctional offseason they've had, where Carlisle had a messy exit, and you bring in Jason Kidd, who already wasn't doesn't have many fans around the league, or at least around the fan, fan base, and uh, you have Harala Bob, you know, that issue. And then you forget about also the um, sexual assault allegations stemming from some of the women's staff and the Mavs org. There's this weird cloud hanging over that Mavs org. And I think the leash is going to be a lot shorter now. So any, if they've stumbled, people are going to point fingers at Cuban. People are going to point fingers at kid. And yeah. uh, the, the spotlight's only going to get bigger given how good Luca is, especially coming off this Olympics performance. Like Luca's going to be the leading candidate for MVP next year. Like yeah. by a good margin, maybe. Um, so that's what I thought it was weird that they hired Kid after he endorsed Jamal Mosley, who was on that staff. And so they had a great look at him. He ended up getting a head coaching job in Orlando. So it's not like he didn't, you know, reach that bar. I was And, and Carlisle. Carlisle said that too. And Carlisle, yeah. like, Mosley was under Carlisle. You'd think that you'd look out for your own guy, right? Yeah, so he was, was like, I hope Kid gets this job. I mean, Kid's yeah. also his guy, right? Like, he coached him in the 2011 title run, but... 
Yeah, but to publicly say that's kind of weird. That's not like what coach publicly says who should be their successor, right? Yeah. I, no- I mean, and and you look at the team that they have right now. There is talent. Um, they I thought the Josh Richardson move. Did they get Tristan Thompson right from Dallas? What? No, the Kings Sorry, got from Tristan Boston. Thompson. Oh, the Kings got him. So who do they give up Josh Richardson for? I'm forgetting. Oh, it's just trade right. exception. <laughs> yeah. Trade. Speaking of which, uh, okay, so they got. Reggie Bullock from the Knicks. Yep. They brought back Hardaway Jr. They brought back Boban. I think they're hoping for a sort of somewhat resurgent Kristaps season. Is that reasonable to count on? I have no clue. Um, and then you're just kind of hoping for internal progression. Like Luca is going to get a little bit better, and I don't know how much more he can do. But like <laughs> some of those what... rookies that struggled last year, Josh Green, Tyrell Terry. Like there's some back end yeah, talent, but. What are we talking about? Like they're not gonna beat like <laughs> Russ Green Braun and, and yeah, they're not gonna beat Russ Braun and like AD. Like this is like this is just not happening. This will be a five or six seed, maybe seven. They might win the first round. No one will be surprised, but they're not getting to the conference finals with this roster. No, um, which is okay. But I just don't know what the plan is. Right? It's not like they have a ton of assets to flip. Um, like Porzingis' value is not uh, another year if they don't do well. Like what is his value around the league? It's not going to be it, high. Um, I mean, the only good thing about it is there's one year less to that massive contract, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And and Hardaway, and, like that, that was actually a reasonable signing. Um, like he, I thought he would have gotten more than that. So it was a pretty friendly deal for them. But at the end of the day, like it's this isn't a core. Hardaway, Porzingis, and Luca is not. And then Josh Green and Tyrell Terry is not scaring anyone. Kind of amazing, but Hardaway Jr. signed four for 72 in 2017 with the Knicks, and everyone just, like, died of laughter. Four years later, he signs a bigger contract than that, which is kind of crazy. He signs four for 75. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, I mean, if you take into account inflation and, you know, obviously the cap right, yeah, is probably right. higher. Janet Yellen, calm down. Yeah, there's not that much inflation between 2017 and 2021. You're making it sound like no, no, the somebody cap, bought not, season not tickets for like eight bucks. Cap, cap inflation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cap, cap the percent of the cap. Yeah, and he's a better player. That the the contract when he first signed with the Knicks was kind of a head scratcher. It's like why? Uh, yeah, it's a huge one. But my point was more that like he was, they were like laughed out of the room, and now he played. His it's way like into a, that. it's a good deal. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I that that's been rumored is with Dallas is Goran Dragic potential sign and trade, and he doesn't. Really I'd want love to that for Toronto. Them. I'd love that for them. Slovenian Slovenian brethren. I mean, it's possible. But once again, who's playing defense on that team? Dude, I mean, like yeah, KP's they, not the same defender. Dragic, Luca, the Hardaway. Junior. Hardaway this doesn't play defense. Weird... It was like Finney Smith. They're gonna make the playoffs again off the greatness of Luca, but oh yeah, the West is deep, dude. You still have Golden State back. You know, you, you we'll see what happens with the Clippers and Nuggets. I think those are the two big question marks. But um, anyway, so let's keep an eye on Dallas. Let's keep an eye on New Orleans. Um, I don't think either of us expect anything to happen, you know, with Zion. But the, you know, that team is such a shit show and has been for so long. It's a very easy team to, like, write the story that he wants out. It's not yeah. like some – this isn't like Boston where, like, they're a proud franchise, done very well, had a couple down years. This is a team that's basically been bad since Chris Paul left. So, um, all right. I guess I did Dallas. You get to go again. Ooh, okay. Who do I want to talk about? Let's talk about the Sixers. All right. 
Sixers, I feel like they just get one giant incomplete right now because the other shoe has to drop on the Ben Simmons thing. It's just not, it's not tenable. It's not going to work. He doesn't want to be there that much. They threw him under the bus on the way out. Uh, maybe for good reason, but you can't really come back from that when your head coach and star player both trash you in the exit interviews. Um, he is not in a position to be demanding teams like he is right now, trying to get to the Warriors and trying to go to Cali. The problem with Ben Simmons is the same as always, is that he likes being a star more than he likes being good at basketball. Um, But he's still a great player in a lot of ways. He can still do a lot of things for a franchise, especially one with much lower expectations than the Sixers, which is title or bust at this point. If he went to, let's say, a Sacramento, the expectations are different and he gets them to the seventh seed, you know, his jersey is on every fan outside the stadium, right? So that is, I think, the type of place that that will likely be where he ends up. With four years left, I don't think that he can dictate much. But, you know, with the Sixers, it's like they're kind of just counting on last year being a bit of a fluke, and they had the number one seed. Uh, they have Tobias Harris. You know, they have Seth Curry. Resigned Danny Green. They're truly a run-it-back team. Basically, the only thing they did is what swap. Dwight Howard for Andre Drummond. Like, did they even do anything else of note that I'm forgetting? So no. I I get it, but to your point, at least Miami's going for it, knowing that they have to go against Brooklyn and Milwaukee. What is Philly gonna do knowing that they're, I think, in my opinion, third out of those three in how I'd rank well, them right now? And it's one thing to run it back, but I've never seen a team like so who's kind of just forced to run it back where um, a, a good team, like a really good contending team, because they obviously were trying to get off Simmons too high of an asking price, which I think Maury to a certain extent, you're mishandling that situation by asking that much for that much. I get that. You don't want to sell him for peanuts uh, because he's a talented player, but um, the, at least what's been reported around the asking price from all these teams is ridiculous. And then Tobias Harris is another piece that's been floated around. Like they're clearly happy to move him. Couldn't find a partner. Couldn't find a good deal. And so they were, uh, this team has clearly been trying to blow it up. Have not been able to. Their big signing has been Andre Drummond, who he had that great, I don't know if you saw the clip where he, um, and B greets him at the gym. Oh, I did. That's so good. And he could not have been wanting him for years. Exactly. And he could not have been less excited. And he did a very, one of those like half-ass hugs that like, you give to someone you really don't like. Um, so I, they're a good team. They still have all the talent on the paper, but it's such a combustible situation. And this whole like Simmons not calling or returning the team's calls and, and this and that he's working out with Rondo right now. They're both working on their three point shot. God knows why they're working together on that, but um, it's, it's a weird situation, man. And <laughs> yeah, I think it's that, just a- that was like the meeting of the minds. Like that was, <laughs> That was really funny. It was almost like I. It was that video was built for NBA Twitter. Yeah, exactly. there's no other just, reason those two are working out other than for like NBA Twitter and NBA Reddit. Yeah, so uh, they're fascinating to me in that they, they're still a really talented team, but I just think they were better off dealing Simmons. There were enough suitors that they could have gotten a good haul back. I think. I still think. I still think they can. It's not over, right? Like I really think Sacramento. Darren Fox, there's going to be... Sacramento's not giving up Darren Fox. I'm telling you right now. They wouldn't have taken Davion Mitchell 
I think if they didn't feel like Fox, because if of Fox no. and Halliburton, who's the more expendable player? I wouldn't say either of them. Fox has already shown to be better. Halliburton has a potentially higher, not higher ceiling, but his value is. I think Fox know, is going to be moved for either Pascal Siakam or Ben Simmons. That's my prediction. Siakam, I'd love to get Siakam. I'm not trying to move. I'd, I'd trade Davion Mitchell for Siakam. Yeah, yeah. That's the Toronto would also if they were you trade Davion Mitchell for Siakam. The thing about um, no, they wouldn't. If oh, they were Sacramento, yeah. yeah, it's like a sort of inverse Inception thing. Um, <laughs> the thing about Fox, just to quickly pivot here, is he has gotten better every year of his career. So there's a lot of promise. He's also extremely young, like we talked about, Lonzo. I think Fox is only 23, about to start year one of his max. But if the Kings look at it like this guy's on a five-year deal, max money, 163 million, we don't think he can be a $30 million player for us because he's not, his flaws are going to prohibit us from actually like getting better. Like lack of defense, lack of shooting, lack of being able to run a half court offense. Some of those things as good as he is, the fact that he got to 25 points a game, is nothing to sneeze at. But if they feel that way, here's an option in Ben Simmons who fortifies the defense, who fortifies the playmaking, who allows them to build a better defensive unit with Mitchell, with Halliburton, with Rashawn Holmes, then you could argue that that's a more soundly constructed team than this guard heavy, like we're not actually like that good at being guards, but all of our best players are guards team that the Kings have right now. Sure. On paper, it looks, it looks promising, but the problem with Simmons, right? Like for all the talk about him being a great passer and playmaker and defensive player is that I, I think in the NBA, you need multiple shot creators in any given lineup creators, not playmakers, shot creators. And with the Kings, Halliburton already is not a shot creator. He's more of a secondary scorer. Um, Rashawn Holmes needs to be fed. He doesn't create shots. Uh, Harrison Barnes is whatever. Simmons is not created. Like, so, so as wait, wait, ideal as wait, that construction looks like. Simmons can create shots for those guys, though. He can create shots for them, right? But I think you also need guys who can create shots for themselves. Like, that matters in the NBA. Right, but is De'Aaron Fox that guy when he's 100%. not really De'Aaron that Fox good of a saves us player, though? He's elite efficiency at the rim for a guard. Um, so, you know, and he gets the free throw line. He's aggressive. Like, so there are plenty of games in the fourth quarter where he saves our ass. And I think Simmons, him being so passive, I don't think on a team like the Kings would work. So I, I get the Simmons Fox, like why it looks like it makes sense on paper, but I don't know if it moves the needle that much for Sacramento. And, and also for Philly, like it's a Fox would be great. Obviously you get a young promising superstar, but yeah, That's I mean, if you look at too. Fox, like his doesn't big help your thing shooting is, is the jump shooting, and that doesn't help Philly. That being said, he's just a better fit because he's a 25-point-per-game scorer, a guy who's not afraid of the moment the way it looked nope. like Simmons was. And that's that's kind of what you're trading for. Because it's not just shooting, dude. Like, they can figure – they were the one seed with Simmons. They can figure it out without shooting. It's the lack of aggressiveness, the lack of, like – Embiid had 16 or 18 turnovers the last two games versus Atlanta because nobody else could do anything, and he's not equipped to just be that guy. As most no. big low-post big men are not. They don't have anybody else to like be like, kind of what they had in Jimmy Butler before they gave him up. 
they don't have anybody else to be like, I got this, like get out of the way. And so Fox at the very least could provide that for them. Um, yep. All right. We can't end this exercise without talking about the Lakers. Uh, so we, we sort of covered our immediate reactions post rust trade, but now that you've had time to marinate plus all of the million other players that they've signed that last peaked in 2014, what do you think about this roster and the fact that they're currently prohibitive favorites to come out of the West? It's a weirdly constructed roster. Um, but at the same time, I don't, it's, it's one of those things where they've compiled so many of these vets um, on these like men deals like Ariza and uh, Wayne Ellington. Mello. And, and, and Mello. one good thing, Mello, one good thing about this roster construction, right? Like four of these guys would add up to one Alex Caruso. And your argument could be, wouldn't you rather have Alex Caruso who's dependable, who knows how to contribute? But, you know, at the same time, if two out of these four guys, you know, show up and play, all of a sudden you have a little bit more depth. And that's something that really hurt them down the stretch. And I think LeBron trusts some of these guys. And, and for LeBron, trust is always a big thing on any one of his teams. I don't like the roster construction, but I also think, like you said, like this is going to be a favorite. They're going to get through the West. Um I wouldn't be worried about them as weird as the roster looks on paper. So they're going to be fine. Bottom line is I still worry about Westbrook in the playoffs, but this team is going to cruise through the West. They should have no problem getting to the conference finals. And then even there, I don't know what team's really going to put up a, a big fight against them. Denver, maybe. Uh, yeah. But even then, like, I don't know when Jamal Murray is coming back and what he'll look like. So I think I was higher on the Westbrook trade than you were last week. Uh, because you I was are. just like, they'll figure it out. Like these guys are superstars. They're all gonna like Russ is an extremely difficult player to play with. He's never played with a guy exactly like LeBron. I'm not saying of that caliber. Durant, Harden, like he's played with some of the best players in the league. <laughs> yeah. That's not the point. Point is more like the way Durant LeBron runs an offense is pretty much one of one. And the way like Anthony Davis is there. And so like, it's already like a second fiddle and Russ is really going to be a third guy. Will Russ accept being the third guy? No, he's going to make a ton of boneheaded plays that we're all yelling about and like upset about, but they're going to figure this out based off of pure kind of like unadulterated talent, energy, like willpower. LeBron knows this is probably his last go around. If not second to last in year 19, like he, he's going to like figure this out. And then like you said, Caruso might be better than the five guys they signed, but as long as two of five pop on a given night, you're going to be fine. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's coming from Mello or Ellington. I love the Malik Monk signing. I love the Kendrick Yeah, Monk Mung was signing. actually great. Yeah. Um, you know, they still have a couple areas where you could argue maybe they need to do a little bit more, but dude, they're going to be, they're going to be fine. If Anthony Davis plays the five more, they're almost unbeatable when he does and LeBron's at the four. And then, like you said, you look around at the West, and it's like, what are we talking about? Like, Golden State could be. What I'm really interested about is Golden State figures out a way to swing a deal for someone like Pascal Siakam. Like, yep. if they can get him, plug him into that starting lineup, assuming they would lose Wiseman, you know, probably Moody and maybe Kuminga, those guys are not going to factor in too much anyway. But if they can get another top-line starter, then it would be really interesting. Otherwise, I'm struggling to see you know, who competes with LA right now. It's so early. We're talking August 9th. Like let's pump the brakes on picking champions, but you know, the best team on paper other than the Lakers, I hate to say it is the the jazz in my opinion. So, 
do you trust Rudy Gobert versus uh, <laughs> LeBron James and Anthony Davis? I, I, I don't. So I don't know where else we're getting. You know, Phoenix probably not suited for, for another run. I, I just think it's a weird crew. It's a funny crew to, like, analyze and think about, like, how they were all better five years ago. But they're good enough now that I don't think it matters too much. Yeah, and and I think, you know, you mentioned this last pod, like the Westbrook signing, the biggest advantage of the Westbrook signing is you keep LeBron rested. You keep the usage even off of AD, a guy like AD, where you're not asking him to do as much. And that matters in the postseason. So for all the talk about Russ's flaws, you're managing him being that kind of just regular season force is going to keep this team fresh for the playoffs. By the same token, they've got a lot of vets now. Um, and they've got some talent, like a guy like Malik Monk is young, but he's talented. And I think having all these guys, you have a lot of time to figure out your rotation. You're, you're not crucially depending on any of these guys right from the, right from the get-go, right? Like it's not like Kuzma is, you have to make Kuzma work. You've got to like six or seven guys on the bench, figure out your rotation, figure out who you can depend on. And you just get a lot of bites at the apple. And, and so, uh, and none of these guys are going to be, you know, game changers. Like KCP is a big loss. It really is. Um, but I, I think they have a whole season to figure that out. And with this team, their floor is going to be high. And then once you get in the playoffs, no, who's going to stop them until the final? So, and we still have the buyout market, right? We still have other ways to add talent to this team. Like yeah. they can, we still have trades. Like you can figure out kind of like what your team looks like, who you think, like what skill sets you need more. Like I thought Dwight coming back was actually underratedly good. Like he knows his role and he's good at it. They still have Marcus all if they need like spot minutes from him, you know, Yep. I mean, Ariza, like, he kind of plays the Dudley role almost. Like, he's an upgrade from Dudley. Yeah. Dude, Ariza was starting playoff games last year. So, in yeah. a way, it's almost more depth than they had when they were a champion, like, making the run for the championship. So, um, but, yeah, I think it will be fascinating to watch, right? This is what they want. LeBron on the most interesting team in the league. Like, this is a dream for the NBA. We, as much as this pains me to say, it, we need Nets Lakers. Like we have to have Nets Lakers in the yeah. Finals. Now you want Nets it's Lakers only... after this? Oh, it's so nice to have Milwaukee and, <laughs> and Phoenix. Nets Lakers, but I root for Kyrie to leave for a pilgrimage for three weeks, and then they sign John Wall and him and Durant <laughs> and Harden take the ship. If you have John Wall, Durant, uh, Blake Griffin. Against Melo, LeBron, Marcus, all this is like 2010 again or 2000. Are you talking uh, about the 2016 Olympic team and how much things <laughs> changed since then? We're going to be right back to that era of basketball. Exactly. Yeah, like Look. a lot of old, a lot of old heads. But um, all right. But before yeah. we end free agency, give me your favorite signing and your least favorite signing. Whether that's the dollars, the players, whatever it is. Ooh, favorite signing. Why don't you go first? I need to think of who, who I got. All right. My favorite signing was I liked I liked Lonzo. I really did. I think people look at the price tag and they look at the name and all the clowning that's happened. $22 million in this era is puts him around the 50th highest paid player in the league. So it's not like this yeah. is a crazy overpay. The biggest mistake people make is paying for past performance, right? Uh-huh. not future results. In this case, you could argue you're paying under what he's going to produce for the next four years. So I like Lonzo to Chicago. Fit, money, age, everything. 
I'm gonna give one out of left field. So I, I agree with Lonzo. Um, I'm I'm surprised how he turned his reputation around in a year. Because a year yeah. ago, if you talked about giving him this kind of contract, you'd be People, laughed out the building. Yeah. Right. And we knew he was good defensively, but the three point shooting was still a work in progress. I liked Kemba Walker signing to the to the Knicks. Love that. Yep. And this is one of those deals where I think he won eight million a year, nine million a year, something. Eight, yeah. There's I mean, down from the thirty-four that he was owed. Yeah, down right. And and for a team that needed that shot creation, someone who can score from the, the you know, uh guard position as well. Um that was one of their biggest issues last year. So it's one of those small moves, not a big deal, but when you're a team like the Knicks, you get them at a cheap price, it's it's enough to kind of keep you still in a good place next year and potentially competing in that four or five seed range. So I like that move for them. Yep. That's you no, know, I think everyone thought OKC was gonna get another first for Kemba after giving you know, getting one to take him on and they were playing 40 chess and all this shit, and then they ended up buying him out. And you know, the Knicks offseason took a turn upwards because of that, because they kind mm-hmm. of were missing a point guard. Like they just brought Derrick Rose. Yeah. Back. Like, Emmanuel enough. quickly and Rose was, none of those guys were good enough to kind of get, give you like 30 good minutes in a game. So, and I don't feel like quickly is that kind of point guard. He feels like more of like that off the, the bench off. offense burst. Yep. Um, but all right. Least favorite. Do you have one or do you, I can go if you don't, you go Jared Allen. Five years, oh, yeah. $100 million to bad. Cleveland. I think I mentioned this to you that when he was rumored to get that much that I just I can't get around giving that much money to a guy who can't create a shot um, and a guy who relies on everyone else offensively. I know Rudy Gobert has a $200 million contract, so that definitely you know accentuates what I'm saying. Allen is not Gobert's level defender. He's young. I think he's a good player, but Cleveland has a lot of money to spend on people, but I just, I don't understand wh- like what team. Like, think about any like any cap sheet that makes sense. Like, if the big who gets paid can't isn't skilled in that way, I just don't think that it ends up well, um, or that, that the team's gonna have a very high ceiling. So that was mine, even though I like Allen as a player. And you look at what happened to the rest of the market. Like, Rashawn Holmes went for. Four year forty six. It was actually it was yeah. reported as fifty five, but that's with incentives. He went four year forty six. Um, yeah, and you, Jared Allen might be a better player, but is he you know Twice eight million good. a year better? <laughs> like it's like yeah, no, I don't, I don't. I I, so I, I never it's, understood that one. Um, so that that one's bad. I think the the one I didn't like, and this is more this is a small potatoes trade, but uh, we traded Dellen Wright, Delon oh, Wright for. Yeah. Um, Tristan Thompson, uh, who and Delon Wright actually established himself as a um, good defensive player. He was good on offense as well off the bench for us, and I thought he had more value. And Tristan Thompson has become a shell of himself of what we used to see in Cleveland. I mean, he was never amazing in Cleveland, but he's gotten to the point where he couldn't even help that Boston team. And uh, I was there were a lot of talks about how that the the right. Thompson trade was going to be a three-team trade, and we're going to bring back an exciting piece. Never happened. So that could change the landscape of the league next season. Yeah, <laughs> it really could. Um, the, all right, so that's a wrap on free agency. We got it. Before we go, we got to 
talk summer league because it just started up a couple days ago. Basically, every guy who was drafted in the first round is <laughs> fucking balling right now. I don't know what's going on, but they all look awesome. Starting with Jalen Green, who you know was amazing in the Mobley matchup. Your boy Davion Mitchell has looked great defensively. He's scoring. He's hitting threes. Uh, we had a couple other guys show out today, including Jalen Suggs, who looked awesome. Scotty Barnes. Mm-hmm. Even Cade Cunningham. Sangoon. Sangoon. Yeah, Sangoon. Like, basically, if you're worth any... Kuminga has looked good. Like, Moody? everybody's Moody's playing well. Good. It, it's it's kind of crazy. Either this is, like, the best draft class of all time, or we really need to pump the brakes on the Summer League evaluation. But any 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 kind of quick hitter thoughts before we go? Um, I mean, everything's playing out like a lot of it is playing out, though, like we expected, right? Like, I think we talked about um, Jalen Green being the best player in this draft, potentially, or easily the most likely to be. No, um, I'm on record. He's the best player in this draft. You're on record saying that. I agree. Uh, Mobley flashed. He had some good plays, but he also struggled a little bit, right? Which we kind of expected. Like, he needs to get stronger. Like, we knew that coming in. and It was apparent even in summer league. So, imagine what happens in the real league. Him and Sangoon guarding guarding each other were like those two yeah. uh, at the you know where they get the uh, car dealerships those like two like inflatable oh, things like the inflatable just, like flapping into each other. <laughs> yeah, um, Cade Cunningham. I think the the story with him was he he looked good, but um, he also struggled shooting a little bit, and he looked a lot shorter than um, you know everyone saw him as a six eight guard. Looks like he's more six six, and I think his problem is he's got a he's got a lot of hair, and he's got a very big head. So if you actually measure him like shoulder down, he looks even shorter. <laughs> like that, it helps add to his. Height. I don't hair, know how to explain yeah. it. Like he looks even shorter from his body frame. He looked a little small, um, and this is what I was saying with like the playing at his own pace thing. The thing about where you get in trouble with the Luca comparisons is Luca's strength and size is a different beast than Cade. That's yeah. part of Luca's greatness is his like it's almost hard to move him, it's hard to get around him. Cade is a little slighter of a frame. And so I'll be curious to see with like not that tight of a handle how he gets to his spots. Yeah. But um but overall, man, I think I mean we've we're like one game into summer league. Some of these teams yeah. have played multiple games in the California classic. Um I don't know. I, I it's, doesn't it feel like every rookie class every year is getting better and better? I, I this think they're coming into the league so much more polished. Yeah, I think they're more polished, more prepared. These guys are just... I think this is not just a product of this class, which is, is a really good class. I think it's a product of just these guys becoming, like, you know, coming in more ready. Like, you remember Summer League, like, 10 years ago? Dude, rookies were not this good. They Dude, were not, Jan Vesely like, was getting, like, picks. legitimately 11 fouls per game. Yeah, <laughs> because then there you're allowed to. I think you maybe you ten could, is the max. He would get yeah. ten every game. Yeah, a lot of players they struggle with that. Like you, because you could foul so much, you'd go up to like that ten foul limit, and you're like, how are these guys going to do in a real game? But um, yeah, I know, I, it's been. I've it's already been exciting, written though, Jalen man. Green's Hall of Fame speech, just like the intro paragraphs, and so he can kind of fill in the rest based on what happens in his career. But Houston looks so nice. It's crazy how like you can go from a team that looks rudderless and the way you handle the Harden situation to you've got so much talent um, and a really promising future. And that's what I hate for the Kings. It's like, I wish we could just hit rock bottom and then reset, but it's never going to happen. I I honestly, it's amazing that they were able to do that in one year, pick up all those Brooklyn assets 
and and like we've all we've talked about a number of times is like they bottomed out thus keeping that pick otherwise it was going to Oklahoma City so going and getting Ben Simmons giving up like the ninth pick to OKC that does nothing now they have a guy that can truly be that next star Um, whether he is or not we'll see you know I'm just kind of kidding about his potential but they got that you know they obviously have Sangoon, who I thought was a steal at 16. They have Garuba, who was playing big minutes for Spain in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so what's he going to become? They actually have four rookies on this roster, all first-round picks. Re- very rarely do you see a team make all those picks. Uh, and then they still have Kevin Porter Jr., um, Christian Wood, uh, J- uh, what's his name, Kenyon Martin Jr. Like, they have so many random dudes. Like Eventually they'll figure out who's, who should stay and who should go, but... Um, I think the next moves for them are probably to figure out a way to get Wall and Eric Gordon kind of out of there to create a little bit more. Well, I thought time. you were going to say playing time. I was like, <laughs> God, you got to give up on Wall already. He could be a good mentor to these young guards. <laughs> show them the ways. Show them which clubs to hit in various show, cities. What signs to throw up on the court. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which games to not practice and take off. Um, but anyway. Yeah, so I'm excited for it, and and I agree with AAU. It's personal coaches that everyone has. Like the skill sets are just being developed. I don't know how much team basketball everyone's learning, but just the individual like ISO moves are as good as we've ever seen. And that's the other thing. Some of these guys are going to come back to uh, earth, like because summer league promotes this kind of just run and gun shoot. No one cares about anything. You could shoot thirty percent, but if you put up twenty points, people are going to be hyped, right? Yeah, and house um, of highlights will like just post the twenty, and then like some tight move you had. Yeah, so it'll be some of these guys will be interesting to see when they get real action, but it's promising so far. Oh. Yep. All right. Well, that's a wrap for us. Um, appreciate everyone listening through yet another fun season. I think this was one of the weirdest, but we're going to take a bit of a break here uh, coming into season three. I can't believe we've been doing this for two years now. So yep. uh, if you have any ideas uh, for those listening, how to how to get better, how to do different segments. If you know any famous people in basketball that would like to stake their reputation on this podcast, please let us know. Uh, we'd love to interview them and put them into the gauntlet. Um, but yeah, man, can't believe it's been two years, but it's been fun. It's been fun, man. Well, now uh, we'll take a little break. Much deserved off season for both of us. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Like, if David Mitchell keeps playing like this, I might want to hop on and emergency week pod. To do an emergency pod. So we'll see how this goes. Yeah. You and your Kings buddies can get on and just do a, like a <laughs> solo circle jerk thing for, for him and everyone else. Get everyone's top shots. That's true. That's top true. shots making a recovery, from what I understand. Yeah. So, how's your. Do you have you. Uh, didn't you ask Mohit how his Fox layup is doing? <laughs> <Should> I ask- <laughs> I have not, I didn't get in, but maybe I should. They they fucked up the market. We talked about that the supply thing was out of control. They like <laughs> just because they're actively playing, so they're obviously going to continue producing more moments. So I think that really got away from them a little bit. But yeah, yeah, we gotta maybe we revisit that later. But but I still get right. the emails. I just don't know what's going on. Yeah, I think now it's just free for all. So. All right, please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin Hoops on all major podcast platforms. Please email us, follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, have a good short off season because the NBA is going to get back on their normal calendar, which means camps open up in September. So we'll figure out how to make next season even more fun. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you uh, in some amount of time to be determined.